0: Right, hey, thank you so much. If you have a copy of God's Word, won't you find the book of First Peter, chapter three, is where we're going to be at this morning? And and I just want to say, man, it, it is awesome that we are getting to get videos like what we just received from Pastor Phil. That a couple of years ago we began to seek the Lord and say, God, what do you want next for us? And we started this thing called the Impossible Campaign. One of the initiatives is that we would begin to pioneer this thing called an online campus. And as we've gotten together and we've talked about like what is an online campus? What does an online campus do? It's one of these things where we're like, man, we could see it going this way, this way, but here's what we continue to come back to. The potential is endless. And we are seeing God do great things, much like the Gentry family that were early adopters. And they said, hey, we're going we're gonna to start doing this thing. And we're going to pioneer this thing. And I love that we have a pastor that's willing to go to places like Nashville, Tennessee, and, and basically just to see what God's doing. There's a, an old theologian that said this, see where God is at work and join him. And I love that we have a pastor. I don't know if y'all know this much, but Pastor Phil is not your typical big church pastor. What I mean by that is, is that he he loves to be with the people. He loves being a pastor. And so I just want to celebrate Pastor Phil that he's with the Gentry family and those that are joining at the Gentry household this morning. Just celebrate Pastor Phil. And, and Pastor Phil, we just say thank you for Um, man, for being a pastor that would want to go and be with the people and see what God's doing in this new endeavor called an online campus. And so I want to welcome everybody from every campus, every location, Blue Springs, Independence, right here, Lee Summit, and then everyone else that's beyond that because we are a church that is in, in, in many locations but one church, and we're seeing this take place all over the country, y'all, and it's exciting. Well, we have been walking verse by verse through this book called First Peter, and we've subdivided this book, really Peter has, and we're just kind of following his lead. In the first section, we looked at how there are trials that we're all gonna face, right? Like life gets lifey at times, amen? And we are looking at how does, how does God call us to be able to navigate the trials that we face? And, and then we talked about that for a little bit, then we turn a corner, and Peter began to say, hey, you're gonna feel like a foreigner at times in this life, because if you know Jesus, this is not your final stop, all right? You are a citizen of the kingdom of, he- of heaven, not the kingdom of this world. And there's going to be times where we're going to have to do things a little bit differently. And then we turned the a corner, and last week we began to talk about this section in the book of First Peter where we're talking about relationships. And all throughout First Peter, Peter is driving this lesson that he learned really the hard way of humility. And we're talking about humility primarily in the context of relationships this morning. And speaking of relationships, the, the person that I love the most, my favorite person, in the whole world, she's sitting right over there. It's my wife, Chelsea, and here we are a few years ago when we got married. You see that? Woo! Like a, like a, yeah, right. And y'all can tell if you know my wife, like she basically is the same person today. She's aged like fine wine. I've aged like a cup of milk, just stayed white and got chunky, you know? Anyway, so this was our special day. Y'all didn't have to laugh at that, guys. Like y'all supposed to go, no. You look, anyway. so. This was our special day, and you probably had a special day like this if you've been married. And, and this day, man, it had all the feels, man. It had, it, we had flowers, we, we had family there, we had friends there, we had a photographer there. It was awesome. And all these people came together on this special day, and they were all basically saying, go, you got this. And they were cheering us on, not just in our wedding, but in our marriage and 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 they were all really really excited but y'all know this that after you know after the event of a wedding you know all the encouragement all the cheerleading it, it begins to kind of fade away but there was this one person at our wedding that day and he has been a consistent voice of encouragement even to this day in our in our marriage. And, and this guy that was at our wedding, like he's encouraged me and, and really when I say encouraged, like he's got up in my grill a little bit and really challenged me to be the man that God wants me to be. And he's also, I mean, he's been faithful not only to challenge me, but he's been faithful to challenge my wife too and to get up in her space and say, hey, this is what you need to do in order to have a great marriage. And, and, and really there's times when, when I interact with this person that I feel like, Man, I almost feel like he wants me to have success in my marriage, sometimes more than I do, you know? And, and he was there that day, and he's been a consistent voice of encouragement, of vision, of correction. And the person I'm talking about that was at my wedding that day is God. And God is the one that was there that day and is still here today in my marriage, and he was at your wedding day, too. And the reason why is because God, he invented marriage, all right? And when he invented marriage, he purposed it to be this picture of how he interacts with his bride, the church. And so when it comes to marriage and this picture, like God really, really is fired up about this thing. So much so that he wants us to succeed in this thing like none other. Like I would, I would even bargain to say this, that God cares about your marriage more than you do that he wants to see you succeed in your marriage more than you do. And, and, and adversely, there's an enemy that wants to destroy your marriage. And there's this battle. So we've come in here this morning to open up God's word because God has some things to say about how we can order our marriage. Because since God invented this thing, he also gives the government to make this thing amazing. Like God gives us some instruction on how we can have a construction of our marriage this morning. And, and last week we began this in First Peter and we talked about the ladies last week. And remember we talked about the six verses in First Peter 3, one through six. We had like the discussion up here with Pastor Phil and his wife and Tashan and his bride, and in this week we're going to turn a corner, and this one's for the men. And this morning, if you're a married man, I'm coming for you. And you may have to say, ouch, instead of amen, but I'm gonna try to drop something in your lap that you can use today to help you succeed. So today is for the married men, but today is also for the single ladies looking to marry a man someday. Because I wanna give you vision of the type of man that you should be aiming for in your life. So you don't settle, but that you would lengthen your patience and that you would wait for God's man. And, and then also, this message is going to be for single men that are seeking to get married. Because listen, men that are seeking to get married. Here's what you need to know: Women want to marry men, and they want to make babies. They don't want to marry babies and try to make men. All right. And so you need to take some notes so that you can be. Yeah, something else. Single ladies, like that's right. That's right. <laughs> And so you need to take some notes, and I'm hoping to drop something in your lap. And I wanna give you four things from one verse that you can do in order to honor God in your marriage. So Peter, he's writing to this audience that when it, came, when it came to marriage, there was lots of misunderstanding. And so you have this early church that are trying to follow Jesus, and you have these couples that are trying to figure out what does a godly marriage look like, and then you just kinda of layer on top of that a lot of stress and a lot of struggle and a lot of trials or tribulation. And so you've got a lot of confusion, you have a lot of stress, and so this is a recipe for disaster. So it makes sense when Peter's talking about relationships and he's talking about humility, he would incorporate this most important relationship called marriage. So again, man, I'm gonna drop some truth into your lap. I'm gonna give you a couple of resources. I encourage you that you would take notes, that you would take pictures of the resources, and that you would jot some things down so that you can find success in this aspect of your life. Man, we got one verse this morning. Because if you're anything like me, God understands that we, we operate by the KISS principle. Keep it simple, studs. All right, so here we go. <laughs> First Peter 3, 7, he says this, "'Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, "'giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. And what I want to do is I just want to break this down, sometimes word for word, sometimes phrase for phrase, and help us get some things this morning. First of all, he says husbands. Now, I think that we just need to state this, that God invented marriage, and when Peter's talking to a married couple, he's talking to a wife that's a woman and a husband that's a man, all right? And so God is saying husbands, because marriage exists between one man and one one woman, all right. And he says this: husbands likewise. You can circle likewise and just kind of point an arrow back to really starting back in chapter two. Because likewise, Peter's continuing this vein of thought where he's talking about how the people of God need to be marked by submission. How we need to have humility through submission. He says we got to submit to the government. He said we got to submit to our bosses. And now he's talking about how we need to mutually submit to one another. Peter's kind of challenged the church to a submission competition. And he's turned the corner here in marriage, and he's saying, hey, when you get married, when, when you say, I do, it's no longer about you. Like Pastor Phil says this, when you say, I do, what you're saying is, I die too. That when you get married, what you're saying is that I'm going to live to the elevation or to the honor of the other. And Peter, what he's saying is that, that when it, specifically, when it comes to men, men, we submit to God. And the way that that plays itself out is that then we submit to our wife's need. And then women, he's already addressed you guys. He says that women, you submit to God. And the way that plays out in marriage is that you submit to your husband's lead. And so he says, husbands, likewise, that kind of captures this frame of reference. And then he begins to put handles on it. And he says this, likewise, dwell with them, that's your wife, with understanding. Point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, you could write this down, men, you need to study her. You need to study her. Peter's saying that if you wanna be a husband that honors God with your marriage, you need to live with her with understanding or you need to study her. Now this was a new idea in the culture in which Peter lived in, like this idea that you would live with your wife and that you would enjoy your wife. This was not a common idea in the culture in which the Bible was written. In fact, like they were even under the impression that you don't even have to like your wife. You just kinda like have to tolerate her. And this comes from this <clears throat> Greek ideal, this Roman ideal, and a Jewish ideal that all was kind of present in the audience in which Peter was writing. In the fourth century BC, there was a Greek statesman, his name was uh, Demosthenes, and he says, there's, or Demosthenes, and he said this about women, he said, we have courtesians, courtesians an old school word for prostitute, we have courtesians for the sake of pleasure, we have concubines for the sake of daily cohabitation, and we have wives for the purpose of having children legitimately and of having a faithful guardian for all of our household affairs. So you get the public opinion of women right here, guys. Like if, if there's a man that you're in a relationship with, woman, and, and he's got this frame of reference, like all I need you for is, is for children and to run the household, get away from him, right? You know what I'm saying? Like this is not good, okay? And Peter's saying like this is, this, there's a new idea I want to introduce to you. That the idea of the Greeks was this, the Romans, they were really no different. And Jews believed that women were even like property. And so Christianity has done more for women than any other thing in the history of humanity. That it's elevating women and it's telling husbands that you need to dwell with your wife. You need to live with her with understanding. You need to study her. He's saying to his audience, Peter's saying to his audience, men of God, we're different. We don't go the current of the culture. We don't don't learn things from our fathers who didn't know God and, and perpetuate those things. We are different. Peter says, men of God, you stand up and you lead your household in a way that brings glory to God. You be different. He says, men of God, we're called to be holy men. He says, we're called to be a royal priesthood of men. Men, we're called to be set apart for God's special possession. That Peter, he's calling men to a better way. He's calling us to a way that's different. And the call that was given to the church that day is reverberating throughout the pages of history to land on the ears and the hearts of the men today. And so I'm gonna call you to do something different. And one of those things, you gotta study your wife. Hey guys, I, I know you know how to do this. If you've been married for some time, there was a time in your life when you cared about stuff that she cared about that you really didn't care about, but you pretended you cared about it, right? Like I didn't ever drink coffee till I met my wife and she loved Starbucks. And I was like, I love Starbucks. Like, let's go to Starbucks, you know? And Starbucks, it was a cool thing back in the day, and it was way overpriced coffee, but it was still a cheap date. So I was in. And so we would go to Starbucks, and we would roll up in there, and she, you know, she like, I'll take whatever the thing is, and, and I would just roll up there and I'm like, what do I order? It's all in Italian. And and I would just ask the the, the barista, whatever you call it, the barista, and i would be like, what do you like? And then I would just order that. And then and here's what I did, guys. I since she liked Starbucks, I learned like the difference between a venti and a large. I learned the difference between like Extra Whip and the dance move, like I learned the difference between how to order the cappuccino or the frappuccino or the whatever the thing was. I learned all of that stuff and because that's what she liked and so I pretended to like what she liked. You know what I'm saying? And we all know how to do this. And when we stopped doing that, what happened is our, is our, our women, they begin to wilt. I it's kind of like these hanging baskets that I have out my backyard so we went to Heartland Nursery for Mother's Day And and I bought these hanging flowers and I don't know what kind of flowers are but I love these flowers because here's what they do They tell me when they need something like like I'll be sitting down. I look out the window and they'll be like this And so they're saying I need water and I'll go water them and within 30 minutes. It's amazing great plant It'll just perk right up. They're like we happy now And listen your wife is no different She will wilt in some form or fashion, and you have to understand how she wilts. And it may be wilting in the form of anger or stress, but she's needing the water of you're beautiful and I love you. I don't know what it is, but more than likely, you know what it is. You just have to be faithful to return back to those things that you once did. And you have to understand what makes her wilt, and then you've got to be the one that pours the water on her so she'll perk back up. Because here's what I know to be true. If I saw those plants outside wilting, and I was like, man, they need to fix themselves. They would just wilt and wilt and wilt till they died. And many of the women that are underneath our care are wilting and on the verge of dying. And God has positioned you men in the place to get the water of his word, of encouragement, whatever it is, and to pour it into that planter, so to speak, so that she can perk back up and flourish. We've got to dwell with them with understanding. Some of y'all are like, bro, you, like, it's complicated. You don't understand my wife. And, um, and I know it's complicated, all right? Like I was talking to my wife about this and she was like, you know, I would agree it is complicated. You know, like she would agree that she's complicated. And I love that um, Peter doesn't say, hey, you need to live with your woman and understand her. Like, it's, like, like you ever graduate from that, right? Like, no, it is is like, it's continual. You have to understand. The woman I married 13 years ago is not the woman that I live with today. Praise God. And there's some things that she has blossomed in. You know, there's some new things. And and I'm having to relearn and I'm having to up my game that marriage always requires maintenance. And we have to be willing to understand our women. So let me give you a, a couple of ways to do that. You know, four ways that you can seek to understand your wife, seek to study her. Four Ds, you can write these down pretty easy. The first thing is this, you gotta do some things. You gotta do some things that she likes. If you wanna study your wife, you gotta do some things that she likes. You, more than likely, you know the things that your wife likes. You know the type of flowers she likes? Spend the money, man. Spend the $14 at Hy-Vee and get a flower when it's not Mother's Day, just to surprise her, all right? You, you do the things that she likes. If your wife's anything like my wife when it comes to Gary Chapman, five love languages, she speaks all five fluent, right? And so you just <laughs> speak them. You touch her and encourage her and give her while you're serving her. You know, whatever the thing is, right? And, and, and you need to do the things that she likes. That's how you study her. The second one's just as brilliant. Don't do the things she doesn't like. Come on, guys. We know the things she doesn't like. Just don't do those things. My wife doesn't like shoes all in the house. So when I come home, I kick my shoes off. Unless she's on vacation, don't, just Anyway. <laughs> The, the door's not a good towel rack, my wife tells me. And so like, there's a towel rack, towel rack where you put towels on. And so I've learned to take the towel and not hang it on the edge of the door, but to put it on the towel rack. And, and there are some things that she wants me to do. And then there's some things she doesn't want me to do. And I've learned that if I'm gonna study her, I gotta do the things she likes, don't do the things she doesn't like. And the third is you gotta date your wife. You've gotta date her. So here's what it looks like for you to go on a date with your wife, guys, let me help you out. You put on a shirt that doesn't have a sports logo on, all right? You go to a place that doesn't have a TV, because you know, like if the Bucks are playing last week, you're just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. You know, I mean, you're trying, the Olympics are on, I mean, it's tough. Go to a nicer place, look at her in the eyes, and ask her, here's the question, how are you doing? And work through a few different categories. How are you doing emotionally? Your wife is geared where she wants to share her heart but you have to pull that out. You have to, you have to make that a safe place and say, you know, is there anything that's, that's causing you a lack of peace? If, is there anything that's causing you stress? And she's like, look, I'm looking at him, right? You know, she, but even if that happens, like you wanna correct those things. And then you ask her, how are you doing emotionally? And then how are you doing spiritually? What's God teaching you in his word? What's God teaching you in this season? And you begin to engage with her in her character, in her emotions, in her soul. And then express yourself physically. Hold, hold her hand. Put your arm around her. Kiss her when she's not expecting it in the booth at the restaurant. And date your wife. So y'all heard Jeremy talk about it. it's, it's fusion. One week. We're about to send teenagers out to southern Illinois, and they're going to get close to God. It's going to be awesome. If you're here and you have all teenagers that are going to one week this should be your week, all right? Date your wife every day this week and see what happens. You know, your kids come home all exhausted and full of Jesus from camp, and y'all just y'all in love, right? Like, what happened with mom and dad? Y'all should go back to camp, right? And listen, we do, every Wednesday night, we have student ministry. If you're in teenage season, man, get your kids to Fusion and then go on a date. We'll disciple your kids for a little while right here while you go date one another and enjoy that benefit of our church. Or maybe you're here and you're like, man, we're not in that season yet. Maybe you're in the season I'm in, where you've got toddlers running around, it's baby boot camp, and it's a little bit stressful, and you're trying to figure out what can I do, because I can't just, I, you know, I can't get my kids away that easily. Well, let me give you a resource real quick, because sometimes I struggle with how to break the monotony of like just watching something on Netflix and eating Boom chicken Pop and calling that good. And so one of the things that we found a couple of years ago, or about a year ago, is this thing called the Adventure Challenge. So I'm going to show you this real quick. The Adventure Challenge is about 35 bucks. It gives you 50 date ideas. This is good if you're, you know, in any season, if you're empty nesting, if you're older, whatever. And you're going to scratch off things, and it's going to tell you what to do so that you can have creative date nights or date dates. So here's what you do, you just scratch it off and it's gonna tell you like, go on a picnic, but here's the catch, it's on an inflatable air mattress on a body of water. It's gonna get a little messy, but it's gonna be exciting, it's gonna be fun. Or it's gonna say, hey, you need to bake a cake together, but one of you has to be blindfolded. And it's gonna tell you some fun things to do and guys, get out of the routine and do something fun. Even if you look stupid doing it, it's okay. She'll be like, my man's amazing, right? She's gonna love you for this. And so, guys, order the book. When it comes in the mail, you just say, hey, babe, the, the book came in the mail. We should open it. And then, you, would you like to pick something out? That's how you do it. And then, men, you be faithful to do this. Put it on the calendar and date your wife. If this, isn't, if this doesn't work for you, figure something out. Date her. You need to get creative. You need to do the things that you once did. You need to date her. That's how you understand her. And the fourth thing, so do some things she likes you to do. Don't do the things she doesn't like you to do. Date her. And then the the fourth thing is to do her job from time to time not literally her job, she's a CPA, you can't do that. But what I'm saying is about once a month, my wife she'll come to a women's gathering here on Monday night and uh, all the women will come together and, I, and I'm always like, like, go, you know, it's gonna be great. I'll take care of the kids, I'll bathe them, I'll cook dinner, like you go. And I'm always like, what do I do? I'm asking the kids like, what should we eat? You know, like I'm, and it's one, by those things, by the time she gets home, she's like wanting to talk about the gathering. I'm like, I'm exhausted. You know, I had four hours of, and I'm trying to walk in her shoes, that's the point. And once I walk a little bit of time in her shoes, I'm understanding why she's tired. I'm understanding why she's stressed. And I'm understanding her more and more and more. You gotta study your wife. So here's the challenge this week. You need to do, don't date. Do, don't date. Do some things she likes, don't do the things she doesn't like, and take her on a date, guys. If you can't take her on a date this week, get it on the calendar for sometime this month. Do, don't date. That's how you study your bride. Peter, he goes on, he says this. He says, husbands likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Then he says, giving honor to the wife. Point number two, if you're taking notes this morning, you write this down. Salute her, salute her. Peter, he continues this theme of giving honor to people all throughout the book of 1 Peter. He said this, honor the king. He said, honor all people. And now he's telling husbands, honor your bride. Honor, it means that you respect the position regardless of how they act. So men, do you honor your wife? Do you honor the position that she holds? This is a command of God. Notice it's not conditional. I think a lot of the times I'm like, yeah, I'll honor my wife if she's honorable. I'll honor my wife if she's, I'll honor my wife based upon, I'll honor my wife if she doesn't, I'll honor her when. But God is saying, men, we honor our wife because she's our wife. And men, if I'm being honest, I struggle with this at times. Like, like just to show you my cards, I've spoken to my wife in ways that if you spoke to her that way, we would fight. No one talks to my wife that way. And God's like, okay, what about you, buddy? And when I've raised my voice or when I've gotten sharp or I've been sarcastic or I've been demeaning or belittling or whatever it is, God has been faithful to correct me and say, hey, man, that's your wife. That's, that's, That's the love of your life. And so you need to go back in there, humble yourself, apologize, and repent. Because here's what I know to be true. You can tell a lot about a man's fear of God by the way that he treats his wife. And sometimes I'll observe marriages and I'll say, man, that man doesn't know God, even though he claims to, because I can tell by the way he treats his wife, he has no respect for God. And so I have to correct myself. And have to honor my wife. A couple of ways that we honor our women, men, is that we honor our wives in the way that we guard our purity. We honor them physically. If you are here and you're a married man and you're looking at pornography, you're, you're sinning. That is not God honoring. And if you think, well, I'm not, I'm not acting upon it, you are sinning. And if you've constructed some place in your mind where you can look at pornography and love your wife faithfully, that's not true. If you're here and you're, and you're talking about other women, you know, like talking about how pretty that girl is, that model or whatever, that actress, your wife hears that and women have a propensity always to compare themselves to other women. And they'll say, well, that woman has red hair. I have blonde hair. He must not think I'm attractive. So you, need to, you have to honor your wife physically by guarding the way you speak. And, and here's the type of woman that you're into. Let me t- tell you the type of woman that you're into, guys. The type of woman that you're into is the woman you're married to. That's your standard of beauty. So if you just ask, Chad, what kind of women are you into? What kind of women are you attracted to? I'd say that one. She's tall, she's thin, she's got short curly hair and green eyes. And so if you married a, a thin woman, you were into thin women when you got married. And if you're now married to a formerly thin woman, now you're into formerly thin women, right? If you married a tall woman, you like tall women. If you married a short woman, you, you know, you get the point that she is your standard of beauty. And one of the main ways that you honor her is that you tell her you're beautiful and I have eyes for no other woman. That you are my, what the Bible says, my lily amongst the thorns. And you treat her that way. The other way that you honor her is you honor her publicly. Honor is not something that you can transfer. It's not something that, it's not a vibe that you give. Honor is something that you express. Uh, the, the charitable woman in Proverbs 31. If you've been in church, you know about this woman. She's an amazing example of a woman. And here's what it says in Proverbs 31 about this woman. It says that her children, are, they rise up and they bless her. And then it says her husband also, he praises her. And he says, many daughters have done nobly, but you've excelled them all. And so you have this picture of this husband that is, that is recognizing and giving honor to his wife before his kids. He's recognizing and giving honor to his wife before his friends, before his colleagues. And so men, like here's the point that we need to honor our wife even when she's not around. And so I'll get my little girls together. I got three little girls and and when mom's at the gathering, I'm like, mom's so pretty, just like you. Mom's so funny, mom's so talented, mom's so smart. And I'm trying to elevate her in front of them instead of constantly demeaning my spouse, demeaning my spouse. Because my daughters are trying to figure out, is it important to be a woman? And they will determine whether or not it's important to be a woman by the way the most important man in their life treats the most important woman in their life in my kids they need security and one of the greatest things that can give them security in their identity is me elevating and honoring their mama they don't need disney world they need a loving marriage to observe And so we honor our women that way. And and we also honor our women in such a way that it would be awkward if somebody tried to take honor from our marriage. Uh, One of my mentors, he's been married for over 40 years. And he says this, that I've always, and he's been a public figure. He says, I've always wanted to portray my my wife in such a way that if people ever wanted to come up and try to like have an affair with me type thing, hey, we should go get lunch together or something. A woman, it, it would feel awkward because he's honored his wife so much in that public space. And so people that you work with What's the narrative that they hear about your marriage? And you need to choose to honor your bride in the public places. So men, this week, how can you honor your wife? Peter, he goes on, he says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them, with your wife, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Point number three, if you're taking notes this morning, you could write this down, shield her, shield her. Peter is calling men to treat their wives delicately. So let me explain this phrase, weaker vessel, because I think some women just kind of flip a lid, like, what's Peter saying? I know the Bible's this way, you know, that sort of thing. And, and here's what Peter is saying. He's saying that a vessel is like a, it's a container or an instrument. And this word weaker, it literally means delicate. That would be a better rend- uh, rendering of the word. So you're, men, you're to treat your wife like a delicate vessel. Peter's saying that we're to treat them like fine china. So I love coffee. I told you my wife. She introduced me to coffee, and I fell in love. And, and every day, um, I like to make coffee at my house, and we make this thing called a chocolatado. That's chocolate milk mixed with espresso, which is typically called a cortado, but it's chocolate milk, so we call it a chocolatado. You'll get it anyway. And so I like to make it in this little teacup. Now, th- don't hate on me, guys. Let me just explain. This teacup. This is fine china. And I like it because the texture, like it's got a really thin rim, and, uh, and so it just, it just drinks better for some reason. And so um, what I do with this thing is, is I have a special place for this thing, and I always get it, and every day I enjoy my Chocolatado from this teacup, most every day. And, and, I, and I, I'll, I'll kind of make it, and then I'm carrying it, like making sure nobody's going to break it. I sit it down, I sit in my dad chair, and I've got this little table that I put this on, and I, sometimes pinky up, it just depends on how I'm feeling, and, uh, and I'll, drink my, I'll drink it, you know. And I, I treat this with, with delicate hands. And I also enjoy things from this. And the picture that Peter's painting is that women are to be treated like fine china, not like a Yeti cooler. Just throw that thing around and, you know, put whatever, you know, deer carcasses in it and that sort of thing. Like, no, like we're, we're putting, we're putting nice things in this thing. Okay, guys. And so when the scripture calls us to treat our women like weaker vessels, it's not that we look down on them because they're. Not that they're they're not as smart as we are, because we know that ain't true. Um, it's not that we look down at them because they're inferior in any way. That's not what Peter's saying. In fact, Peter, along with the rest of the Christian authors in the New Testament, they are elevating women to a new status. But he's trying to help men to understand you don't you're not abrasive with women. You don't treat women like, like they're a, a dude. They're delicate, they're meant to be enjoyed, they're precious. They're meant to be treated like fine china. One of the ways that you shield your wife, guys, is that you shield her with chivalry. I remember chivalry. Y'all remember that old thing that was kind of around for a little while? I think that we've lost chivalry in our society. The chivalry, a couple of things that you do when you're chivalrous is you open the door for a lady. Doesn't matter what age she is. Doesn't matter if she's this tall, this tall, or coming, you know, I mean, doesn't matter where she's at, right? You open the door. You be chivalrous, men. Another way that you're chivalrous is that when you're walking on in downtown Lee Summit or downtown Kansas City or wherever, and you're walking on the sidewalk, men, you get to the outside. That way, if somebody gets crazy and they swerve over onto the the sidewalk, they're going to hit you first. All right, or somebody splashes water, it's going to splash on you, and you walk on the on the street side of the woman. Or when it starts to get cold, and you see that she's cold, and you take your coat off because, men, that's what a man does to shield his woman. And guys, you know this. We don't get cold. We get pneumonia, all right? That's what we get. So you put your jacket on her, all right? And you, you shield her with chivalry. Uh, another way that you shield your wife or protect her is that you know that you've been called to protect your wife's heart. So the way this plays out practically is that, that you're the protector of your house, guys. And I think sometimes we think that that's guns loaded and doors locked. It may be that, but it's more than that. Because sometimes we'll have guns loaded and doors locked, but we'll let whatever entertainment go on in our house. And we'll let our wife binge on things, or we'll even encourage, hey, let's watch and be entertained by certain things, or by certain music, or by certain social media. And God's put you in the, God's gonna men, God's gonna hold you accountable for the success or the failure of your household. I'm convinced if God were to knock on the front door and Chelsea were to answer the door, he'd go, hey, Chelsea, can I talk with Chad? Because I am the one that's responsible, and this is what we see happening in Genesis, when Adam and Eve, Eve sins, but Adam's held accountable, and he's held responsible, I should say. And men, we're called to protect our wife's hearts. And so one of the things that really is playing out in our family currently is that we're in a season where it's busy, man. We've got so many opportunities to go here, do this, do that. And I'm trying to help my wife because I see her like doing all of these things, right? All the things I hear women say. And and, and she's doing all that stuff. And I'm like, baby, baby, we, we need to like, we just, I need you to practice this. I'm going to help shield and protect you here. I'm going to, we're going to practice. All right. I want you to say this word after me. Ready? We're going to say it together. All right. Here we go. No, no. No, 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 uh, no, there it is, no. We're gonna say no to some things. And some of us are encouraging or just turning a blind eye to our wives running the suburban mom rat race from caravan and a minivan to a waiting line to all of the things. And our families are hectic because we're not leading men. And we have to lead and set a pace where we can make time for the things that matter most. That's your responsibility. And so have the hard conversation and you shield and protect her heart. Or literally you shield, you lay down your life. Men take the hit, right? Ben Hogan, a famous golfer back in the, you know, back in the day, he was just a a guy that was on the, the top of his game and, He was traveling with his wife from Phoenix to Fort Worth where they resided and they got out in West Texas in Van Horn and it was a snowy day and there was a Greyhound bus that started coming over into their lane. And this was in the late 40s and so they didn't have airbags in their car. And so when the bus comes, Ben's going about 30 miles an hour, he turns the car to take the hit and then he unbuckles, throws his body in front of his wife's and becomes a human airbag. The the car's demolished. The wife walks away without a scratch. Ben walks away completely wrecked. People thought his golf career was over and he laid down and sacrificed his life literally so that he could protect and shield his wife. And men, when we hear that, we should rise up to the call of the opportunity if given the occasion to lay down our life for our women. But let us not dream up some day where we would face a head-on collision and miss the moment to protect them spiritually and to protect their hearts in the present day. We gotta shield them. So men, how can you shield your wife this week? Peter, he goes on, he says, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Point number four, if you're taking notes, and finally this morning you can write this down, share with her share with her. Peter is saying to the men, elevate your bride to your level. He's saying that you're no better than your wife. She's not your property. She's created in the image of God. You don't look down on her, but you treat her, men, like you would treat you. Paul, one of Peter's contemporaries, he would say this when he's talking about how to have a godly marriage. He would tell the guys in Ephesians two twenty-eight. he said, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. I love that when Paul's giving instructions to this, these couples, he doesn't tell the, the women to love the men as their own bodies. You could be Bella Hadid and you could find a flaw in you, right, ladies? I mean, you, just, I mean you, you can be the perfect person and find a little wrinkle in, in your body. But guys, we can look like the Michelin man and be like, I still got it, right? You know, and, and so like we, we, we know what it means to love our own bodies. And so Paul's saying, like, that's how you love your wife. And so guys, like, you know when you get thirsty what you like to drink. You know, when you get hungry, what you like at Taco Bell, you know, when you have extra money, what you like to spend it on, you know, you and Peter's saying that you've got to treat your wife on that same level that you've got to love your wife. Like you love you so that you can have a marriage that's exciting so that you can have a marriage that's encouraging so that you can have a marriage that's enduring. I don't know about you, but when it comes to marriage, like I want my marriage to be amazing. Like I don't want to, to I, want, I don't want my love to grow old. I want to grow old in love. I want to be that couple that's at Cracker Barrel with the blue plate special sharing their teeth as they enjoy a meal and playing the, the, the golf tee game, right? <laughs> like I, I want to be that couple. And here's what I know to be true. You don't just arrive there. And anybody that's been married for some length of time, they know that marriage requires maintenance and that we get amnesia over the principles of God. And that's why we've come here to be reminded men of how we are to interact with our spouses in a way that brings glory and honor to God. It doesn't just happen. You have to study her. You have to salute her. You have to shield her and you have to share with her Peter gives us a stark warning that if we don't do this, our prayers will be hindered. But when we do this, our prayers will be unhindered. Because God will not listen to you if you're not loving your wife. Why would he listen to you if you're not being faithful with the woman that he's entrusted to you? Maybe you're here and you're something like me when, when you got married and you were like, man, I want to succeed in my marriage, but I just don't even know what that looks like. Like I have no frame of reference. Like if I were to come up here and just shared with you the principles that my father taught me about how to have a great marriage, I'd probably get fired, all right, because it's inappropriate. And so when it came to me getting married, like I didn't know how to do this thing. And here's what I know to be true about all people. We all live and learn. We all do that. But by God's grace, I'm trying to give you some of God's principles so that you can have a new frame of reference so that you can learn this morning and then go live. And so here's what I did, and I would just encourage you to do this. If you have a small frame of reference of what it looks like to be a godly husband, ask godly couples for advice. Have dinner with a godly couple and just see how they have dinner together and then go home and do what you saw. Read books, listen to podcasts, and learn don't let ignorance be the reason why you're not a good leader let me drop a resource for you real quick it's called the exemplary husband if you want to be challenged men no matter what phase you're at in your marriage this book will challenge you it'll build a theology of who you are in christ and then it'll give you principles on how you can be a godly husband it's (laughs) it'll get up in your grill a little bit all right it's a good book if you're looking for a book to stimulate how can i be a better husband get this one or maybe you're here and you're like, man, you don't, again, you don't understand, Chad. Like I, 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 my wife is not lovely right now. And, and are you telling me, Chad, that I've got to go home and I've got to love my wife, regardless of, of how she responds? And I would say, no, I'm not telling you that. God is. That God calls us to love our wives the way that he loved the church. And maybe the reason why you're having a hard time finding the energy for some of you to love your wife the way God asks you to is because you don't know the love of God. That the only way you can have a marriage, the way that God intended for you to have a marriage is for you to know God. Why would God allow you to find success in the thing that he invented apart from him? And maybe the best thing that some of the men can do this morning is understand that you don't have what it takes. You're gonna need Jesus to be the husband that he's called you to be. And if you don't know Jesus, man, the gospel tells us that Jesus, he loved you when you were not lovable. It tells us that Jesus dwelt with us with understanding, that he honored us when we didn't deserve it, that he shielded us from God's wrath as weaker vessels so that we could be called heirs with him in the grace of life called eternity all while we were cheating on him. And until you know the love of God, you can never be the husband he's called you to be. You wanna be a great husband? Look to the greater husband and the greatest husband of all, Jesus, and draw strength from his power, and he wants to help you. No one cares about your marriage more than Jesus. And he longs that you would have a marriage that gives as crystal clear of a picture as possible to the way that jesus loves his bride because the reality is in the church our marriages are a picture of the gospel to the watching world whether we like it or not and so why not make it a clear one and a good one let's pray lord jesus thank you so much for today i gotta pray for my friends that if if they're here struggling, maybe somebody's thinking, man, I'd, I would love to do that. I just don't know how, God, that you would give them vision. God, that you'd give them energy, that you'd give them a new level of love that they can extend to their spouse. Now, for the single woman that's here that wants to be pursued by a godly man, God, would you just raise up godly men and give them the courage to lead with clarity, to ask them out on a date, and then one day they'd get married and have babies and raise disciples, it'd be awesome. And God, I pray for the the men here that are single, God, that you'd give them the courage to have vision for what it looks like to implement these principles, even though they're not married, implement the principles that are appropriate today. And God, I ask if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, that they would come to know you, that they would understand that all of this, marriage, love, companionship, relationship, is all meant to, to whet the appetite of a greater love in you, a greater marriage to come in you, a greater relationship in you. God, we wouldn't miss you in the midst of all of this. God, I pray that you would help Abundant Life to be known as a place that has strong marriages. God, I pray that every man would pursue his wife, that he would seek to study her, that you'd give him the courage to do the things she likes, don't do the things she doesn't like, and to date her. God, you would help him to salute her, to shield her, to share with her, and we would see men of God rise up to lead their homes effectively and women that are wilting to begin to flourish once again. In Christ's name I pray, amen.